You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast. I'm John and I'm delighted to be bringing you the preview for the upcoming World Cup playoff match between Scotland and Ukraine, which is finally happening after a two-month delay. First part um, of this, we have uh, Andy Barge um, from Hamden North Podcast and also um, making his way up in the commentary ladder. Andy, how are you doing? Hi, John. I'm all right, thanks. Very good to be on. It's uh, always interesting being on the other side of the, the Zoom call for podcasts these days. <laughs> Yeah, now you know how I feel when I'm, um, you know, when you invite yeah. me on yours every now and then, which is good. Yeah. And, uh, we'll give you a plug for your latest one because uh, you recently spoke to Chris Willemo. Um, I'm guessing that was um, arranged through your stuff doing with the BBC. I mean, he, he's a he's a cracking pundit, and it was a good podcast, I must say. Thank you. Yeah, he's a he's a very chatty guy, an honest guy. Um, I know him. It was actually originally through Talksport that I met him uh, during the Euros last summer, hmm. but then. Uh, I think we would met actually once or twice at BBC, so we kind of were aware of each other, but we were actually in each other's company for a sustained period during the Euros, and then just throughout the season, just being on sports scene and and stuff at the same time. I'd I'd say maybe that's been at least six, seven, eight times we've been on the show together. So yeah, just kind of grown a wee bit of a, a professional friendship with him. I suppose I would I would define it as, and yeah, he was more than happy to to help out. We've been trying to arrange it for a while, but he's a very busy guy. But uh, he was. Very happy to give us time whenever it suited both of us. So he talks about, you know, kind of just missing out on his first cap in 2002 and then having to go and wait six years for his next one just with various problems, uh, managers um, coming in and out. And then obviously the miss against Norway. He's very candid about that. He doesn't, you know, try and hide the reality of what happened. And then just about how it all kind of came to an end at the end under, under Craig Levine, just getting older at the wrong time, I suppose. At least he can say pulls on the dark blue, and it was just, um, just unfortunate yeah. what happened. So, but he certainly, um, you know, earned a lot of credibility as a pundit. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, um, if you want some alternative listen to Scottish content, just check out Hamden North. Um, <laughs> so, um, onto the game Scotland New, um, versus Ukraine. Um, this playoff obviously should have happened back in March, but unfortunate events in Ukraine meant this was pushed back. It's almost, um, you know, Amazing that this game's um, actually going to be going ahead. I mean, Ukraine are desperate to go ahead and fair play them. They've had, um, you know, a few matches recently. I checked this up earlier today. Um, their global tour for peace. The results I, I could find was that they beat British Mountain Gladbach, Empoli and Rijeka. It's um, not bad opposition. We don't know what kind of teams were put out, but from Ukraine's point of view, it's all about getting games. And do you feel as though this game's almost coming at the wrong time for us, given some of the problems that we are starting to run into with uh, the obvious injuries and certain players are kind of off form just now as well. Uh, trans- translating that to international level at the minute, no, it doesn't really worry me as much because I think now the Scotland team are at a stage where if a player's out of form at club level, it doesn't mean that either automatically going to be left out because they're out of form and B, that if, if or when they do join up, they're going to continue that bad form. Because I think that international football, especially when a team is riding a bit of a wave like Scotland are, can be a bit of a release from the day-to-day grind and the stresses of whatever's happening at club level. Um, so I'm not particularly 
worried about that. I am worried incredibly about Tierney. That is my main concern. Uh, I personally feel he's our best and most important player. I think the, the two things can differentiate. You can be a best player, but not the most important one, and vice versa. I think Tierney is both at the moment. Um, and the whole system revolves around him and his ability to break forward down the inside or the outside left. So how we fill those boots if Tierney can't make it or how fit Tierney is when he plays um, is, a, is a big worry to me. I don't think that we'll see Clark revert back to a four. I think that he's come too far with the team in this system that he'll try and fill the jersey with someone as similar as possible rather than change the shape. Who that is, I don't know. Cooper, maybe. Scott McKenna, maybe. Uh, I don't think Kingsley's in contention, even though I, I feel that he would have been a pretty able deputy. Uh, unless I'm missing someone obvious. Matt Target was was muted. I don't think that that's come to fruition either. So my main concern from our point of view is, uh, is for sure Tierney's injury. Nathan Patterson on the right was worrying me until I think it became apparent that Hickey is more than able there. And they're, I mean, he's a good attacking right back and a decent or full back and a decent defender as well, I think. Um, from a Ukraine point of view, John, I, I'm not too concerned about these friendlies and how good their players are. I think what is going to be the more challenging aspect is how emotionally charged they might be uh, during the game against us. I personally don't subscribe to the narrative of how is this game happening? It should never be happening because, as you just said, the Ukraine players in the FAO want it to happen. So why shouldn't it? And I think that it's much better that we keep the integrity of the qualification process and allow it to go ahead if both parties are able to facilitate it, which they are. So, yeah, um, it, it worries me a wee bit about how desperate Ukraine might be or how de- desperate they will be to kind of be a, a ray of light in a dark, dark time for their country. Um, I, I don't think that fitness really will come into that much. They've been at a training camp now. They've spent a lot of time together. And this could be a bit of a concern, actually, John, because that's when we grew really well as a squad during the Euros last summer. And then we managed to find the unbeaten run six games, was it? Seven games after the Euros. Um, so After Denmark, out, it was uh, yeah. eight games were on at the moment. Six wins and two draws. So after the uh, Euros, we spent a lot, well, we spent a lot of time together during the Euros and have grown as a squad and a unit. That's now what Ukraine are experiencing together. So I don't know if they'll be able to reap similar rewards when it comes to the playoffs. Yeah, that's that's obviously a concern. That and then the other thing you talk about the how emotional charge they're going to be. Um, there is always a worry that Scotland, you know. There's that feeling sorry for, for for Ukraine situation, and obviously what they're going through is just, is awful. And we just need to find, you know, I, it, it feels almost bad saying this, but we need to find a ruthless street. At the end of the day, this is sport. This isn't to do to do politics. This is sport. And if it was um, roles reversed, Ukraine, I don't think would have any hesitation in wanting to wipe the floor with Scotland in this game. And I think we need to adopt the same mentality. You're right. The the two are not exclusive here. Um, and this is not the first time really that I think a country that has been this might sound incredibly cynical and unsympathetic but this wouldn't be the first time that a country that's been going through a seriously difficult time has played a football game Um, so I don't see why 
we should treat Ukraine any differently to any other team that we've ever come up against in our history and will come up against in our future. For a start, the Ukraine players would hate that if we just stepped aside or didn't go into the tackles fully, which I don't think for a second, by the way, that we will do. There's no chance that's going to happen. But it's the sentiment of wanting it to happen, maybe, or thinking Ukraine should be treated with a wet wipe. Uh, I don't subscribe to that at all whatsoever. Um, and I think the Ukrainians would, would say that just as much, if not more, than us, to be honest. Well, the fact that, you know, there was all that discussions about um, making um, Ukraine going as a 33rd nation and they were like, no, we want to earn our place like everyone else. I think that tells you everything about their intent for this game as well. And and fair play to them. You know, um, we also hope that things get resolved in their homeland. But at the end of the day, this is a World Cup qualifier. We haven't been at World Cup since 1998. They've been to one in 2006 and they've been a couple of euros more than us as well so at the end of the day we need to show that um, that ruthless streak on the pitch show our respect off it absolutely but on the pitch it's a World Cup place at stake here well a playoff against Wales first of all Shin obviously disregard that but yeah. you know I'm sure I'm sure before the game there will be a, a show of unity and a call for peace all, all the, the sort of stuff that I think we would expect to see considering what Ukraine are going through as a country but as soon as the first whistle goes, and even during the build-up at training, there's no way that this that the Ukrainians' plight can enter the the minds of the Scotland players, and I, I don't think for a minute it will. To be honest, uh, that it doesn't concern me how we will approach the game. It, it concerns me more about how what's happening in Ukraine could incentivize or maybe motivate is the wrong term, but how it could affect. The Ukrainians, because they, they they will be heroes anyway if they qualify, and I know that it doesn't exactly, you know, nullify what everyone's going through over there at the moment. But it would be a a welcome uh, incidence if for them if Ukraine were were to make it. So, um, as I said earlier, just a wee bit of sunshine and a a bleak moment for them. I don't think though that we can or will be affected by what. Ukraine are going through I just think that Ukraine will themselves obviously and I, I personally think it will be for the better for them Exactly, um, I'm sure they will give um, everything and we've just got to be ready for that, I'm sure Steve Clark have the players up for it um, so then it comes on to what players are going to come in so um, I, quite, I was quite writing down my team and I've got a couple of spaces um, just simply because of certain um, issues. So we'll go to the office. Kieran Tierney. Now, you mentioned Liam Cooper there. Liam Cooper obviously took his place in that Czech Republic game. Now, Liam Cooper, for me, had a decent game. Perfectly fine defensively. But he does not give, in that system, what Tierney gives. He doesn't go up to help Robertson. He doesn't go to be almost a second wing back. Um, he doesn't take players on. And that's no um, from Harmon Liam Cooper. But I think that just highlights exactly what Tierney brings to this team. Scott McKenna is playing left centre back at Nottingham Forest and having a great season. My worry with him is that they've got a playoff final on the Sunday and we've got a game the Wednesday. So he's going to, if they win, they've, he's got a two day hangover to get rid of as well. Um, yeah, McKenna's starting to prove me wrong, to be honest. I never really understood mm, the, the big whip with Scott McKenna, but he's having a cracking season down there. Uh, so is his club. I think that your point is bang on that although both of them can play left centre half, Scott McKenna probably more so, 
they're not going to give you a fraction of what Tierney can, really, um, in an attacking sense. Um, Tierney's just another level to anyone we've got as a centre-half. Um, even Scott McTominay, when he slots in there, he's, he's a midfielder by trade and he's got nowhere near the attacking impetus that Tierney's got. Um, so if it's between those two, I think I'm probably choosing McKenna at the moment, to be honest. Um, I, I would have in the squad... Kingsley. I don't think he's going to be there. Uh, I would also have his teammate, sorry, Barry Mackay, probably uh, as an option from the bench. But oh, that's given the fact that we've got five games. Um, but I don't think either of them will be there. Uh, as a left centre half, though, uh, on the spot, yeah, I would go McKenna over Cooper uh, for the moment. That's provided Hanley's fit in the middle as well, because Cooper can obviously play there too. Yeah, I've got Hanley and McTominay um, is it making up that defence for me. I just think um, that that seems to work. Hanley in a Scotland jersey has um, you know, shut me up and I'm glad um, because you know he's proved a lot of doubters wrong. I know he's not had the best of seasons in SLB Norwich, but in a Scotland shirt, he's still been good. McTominay, right centre-back, has been solid enough. Um, Nathan Patterson's position, you know, obviously it's not looking great for him, but because I've been seeing Hickey playing right wing back for Bologna and doing very well, and this is against teams like AC Milan, even though he's only had two friendly caps, I would still be starting him. Um, no harm with Stephen O'Donnell, he's done well for Scotland, but I think he's too off form with Motherwell just now, whereas I think Hickey would just slot in absolutely perfect and no nerves at all. Yeah, I I think that we also need to include Ralston in this conversation. <laughs> the, the, the right wing back role is different to the one he plays at Celtic, so I understand from that point of view why Hickey might be more suited to it because he has been playing as a, a, a full-on wing-back, hasn't he, at times? Hickey? Yeah, he's been playing yeah. um, that kind of role before this season. Yeah. Yeah. As so, well as left. Yeah, so I would say that um, yeah, he's he's a fair option there. He, he doesn't play on the right all that often. I had a look at this actually only a week ago. Let me just, I've opened this stats here again. One, two, three, four. He's played on the right side in the league anyway five times this season, which I think is more than enough to suggest he can uh, transpose his skills from the left to the right. He's not consistently playing on that side, but he can when needed. And I think that falls into this bracket because Nathan Patterson had that jersey on his back all day long until the injury. So it's a shame for, for Pato because he's, he's had such a great impact on the squad. That goal in Moldova, three valuable assists as well. Um, O'Donnell will probably be in um, I would imagine it, it'll be I think Hickey's a certainty to be honest and then I think the second place will be between O'Donnell and Ralston um, I don't think Clark will go dropping O'Donnell now for the playoffs after he was in the squad for the entire qualification process uh, but Ralston if he's left out I think I don't think he's uh, kind of guy that would I don't know him from Adam, but I, I don't think he's the kind of guy that would kick up a fuss. He seems like a fairly level-headed young guy. Um, but I think it's a matter of time until the right-backs are uh, Patterson, Ralston, and then Hickey from one side to the other, wherever he's needed. It's amazing that we've got these options now again, Andy, after um, you know years of worry at the, the right-wing back or right-back role. Um, I, think, I still think that midfield three, although... Gilmer against playing on the right side that's went down. Um, McGinn, his club's been on and off. They've um, pretty much not got much to play for. But Cal McGregor's a title winning captain. So I would still stick that with midfield three. It's not lost. 
despite having the fact that Ryan Jack is, is back and a good option, have I would still stick with that three. Shea Adams, although he's gone off about Southampton, um, aka Gordon, um, she asked Lovechild. Um, <laughs> he, um, he, he's a certainty start. Who starts alongside him? Uh, don't think it'll be Dykes. I don't, I don't think that's Clark's preference these days. Uh, what are the options then? So, if you anticipate Shea Adams up there and John McGinn just behind on one side and then someone else just behind on the other, like a four, like a box midfield, yeah? Is that what you're picturing Christy. here? Well, I don't you know if I'm picturing Yeah. Because it'll probably be McGregor and Gilmore as the deepest two. Mm-hmm. McGinn and someone else just in front. So, yeah, McGinn and... Yeah, I, I really like Christy for Scotland, not just because of his goal... Uh, but I think he's got a real uh, aggression, like a controlled aggression to his game, Christy, uh, and his press and his hunting and his driving forward, which is valuable. He's a, a very good uh, eye for goal too. Although weirdly, I don't think he's actually scored many at all for Bournemouth this season. Like genuinely could count them on one hand. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but I think I would think I would have Christy in the team and that would be ahead of well, Dykes can't really put them in the same bracket, can you? So it would be Chris, Christie ahead of Armstrong, uh, Forrest, Fraser. Jacob Brown as well. Jacob Brown, the season he's had at Stoke. Brown, it's not I, I don't see him being thrown in here, but he's still... I think we'll see more of Jacob Brown during the Nations League. And I'm excited to see him because when he was included for the... Or sorry, when he was set to be included for the game in March before it was postponed, I had a look at his stats. And he had something like 10 goals for Stoke at that point in the championship which is not a tiny achievement so yeah um, interested to, to see maybe how how much game time he gets I don't think he'll start against Ukraine um, I think it will be Christie and McGinn just behind Shea Adams yeah I think it'll be Christie as well so the teams are pretty much um, the team um, ourselves but what you never know Clark can, um, can do a curveball now and then um in terms of potential newcomers to squads, because um, you've touched on a couple of possibles that you'd like to see, I totally agree in Kingsley. I think especially for left centre-back, the season he's had at Hearts, um, again, you talk about Hart, um, making a system work, he makes that system work at Hearts. Um, Alan Campbell's had a terrific season at Luton. Um, nearly got, um, they got themselves in the playoff. Scott Wright has just played in a European final. Is he another possibility? What other... Um, Barry Mackay, you've mentioned, has had a good season. Do you see any of those names being called up, given the fact that we have at least four, possibly five games? Yes, I think that this, I think that we could well have about 28, 29, 30 names in this squad, to be honest. Um, I, I, would, I think that we should have Kingsley in because although Cooper and McKenna are probably better than him or certainly performing at higher levels than him, He's had a very good season and as far as a carbon copy of Tierney goes, he's the closest one we've got, I think, just in case of emergency, we can break the glass and there he is. But he doesn't really have any experience um, at all at international level. So the Ukraine-Wales games, from Clark's point of view, are probably a non-starter. I don't see the harm in using him even for a wee bit in one of the other games if Tierney's absolutely not fit. Um, can't see it happening, though. Um Barry Mackay, now I would have Barry Mackay in the team, uh, the squad, sorry, ahead of probably like David Turnbull at the moment. Um, I think that Mackay, his craft, guile, 
energy, um, impetus from the bench would be really quite handy, to be honest, if we were struggling to find a way through a team. I think that he could, for example, play in that two behind Shea Adams, no problem. Because um, he's floated across that front three for Hearts at times this season. I've seen him play wide and I've seen him play kind of in a number 10 position as well, especially when Boyce hasn't been playing. Um, so I think that Mackay would, would do a job. My worry for David Turnbull is, and I don't think he'll get much game time anyway, is I don't know how useful Turnbull is unless the game is absolutely flowing in his team's favour. Uh, I, I don't know yet, and he's still young, so maybe I'm being a bit unfair, but I don't think yet we can count on David Turnbull to roll his sleeves up and drag Scotland through a game in midfield. Um which I know, I'm not saying that Barry McKay could do that either. Let me make that clear. But um, I, I don't really see Turnbull performing when the chips are are down. Um, he's just come back from injury. I think he'll be in the squad, but I would have McKay in before him. I think he's a, a greater threat at the moment. Uh, who else did we say there? Uh, Alan Campbell. I I think Alan Campbell will be in um, because we don't have really many midfielders like him. Uh that are just absolute dogs, really. Uh, I suppose Ryan Jack is of similar, but not exact um, midfield uh, quality. Uh, Alan Campbell is the kind of guy that will just run all day. Kind of reminds me a wee bit of, uh, he's a better player, hands down, but kind of reminds me a wee bit of why Steve Clark loved Alan Power so much at Kelly. <clears throat> I think that Campbell would do that sort of job for Scotland. Um, and I think it's it's about time. I, I was always a bit wary when he was at Motherwell. Like, can he go and perform at a higher level? <clears throat> and he's uh, he's done amazingly at Luton. I put a tweet up recently, or I quoted a Luton fan account tweet saying, I wonder if we'll see Campbell in the squad over the summer. And uh, loads of fans replied saying, like, there's no chance he'll be here after the summer. He's been unbelievable. He won about three Player of the Year awards. So, look, I'm not an avid watcher of the English Championship, but every report is an absolute glowing one, A star for Alan Campbell. So I think Clark will be well aware of that. And because of the type of midfielder he is compared to the rest, you know, our, our midfield's mainly full of ballers like McGregor, Gilmore, McGinn and stuff like that, where I, I don't think really we've got many absolute grafters like that, uh, that mould of, of Alan Campbell. So I, I think we'll we'll see him in this time. Um, not necessarily to play against Ukraine, but maybe in one of the other Nations League matches. Um so yeah, that's uh, that's the new face that I predict in the squad uh, would be Alan Campbell. Yeah, I would I would think he's um, certainly got a, a big opportunity um, coming, especially with these games. And I, w- I would also suspect that potentially after a long season, um, that after the Ukraine game and potential Wales, hopefully Wales, that we might see one or two withdrawals um, as well, and maybe more opportunities for some of our fringe players as well. Yeah. Um, well, certainly people like you know Callum McGregor that, apart from his facial injury, I think he's played just about every minute for Celtic. So, um, I think that you, you would like to see people like probably Ross Stewart getting a chance, Jacob Brown. But again, these guys have had long seasons too. I mean, it's just just because they've not played as much game time for Scotland doesn't mean they've not had as arduous a season as some of the other guys. I mean, Lewis Ferguson, I think he's missed one game for Aberdeen. John, is that right? Something like that, yeah. One, maybe so, two. Yeah. So, again, he's probably got his eye on a bit of game time for Scotland if he's in the squad, but he'll be tired too. I mean, yeah. it's been a long season for Aberdeen, you know all about that. 
Yeah, we won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, so um, we'll come. We'll come to the end of this. Um, uh, you know, it's just unfortunate when we are talking, um, Andy. By the time this goes out, the squad will have been announced. Um, just we're obviously working around your holiday. Um, but yeah. with regards to the, um, so the other guests will probably know the squad, but um, by now, so we are playing guesswork. Um, mm-hmm. But as things stand, what's your prediction for Scotland versus Ukraine? Christ. <laughs> Uh, I hadn't really thought about a prediction, so this is just massively instinctive and on the spot. Uh, I think we'll beat them. I don't know by what result or by what means, but yeah, I, th- I think we'll go through. And then that's when I really start to wake up in a cold sweat is, uh, if we beat Ukraine. Yeah, yeah, we'll wait and see um, what happens. Hopefully um, this time in um in a couple of weeks, um, we'll be preparing for a playoff um, against Wales, but we'll wait and see what happens. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be a yeah. tough 90 minutes, um, potential plus against Ukraine. But um, listen, Andy, thank you very much for your time. No, no problem, John. Thank you. Part two of our Scotland versus Ukraine preview. Um, I'm joined by two of the biggest Scotland fans I know. Um, first of all, um, ladies first, Laura Brannan. How are you, Laura? All right, I'm all good. I'm all good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Um, just can't believe this game's finally happening. A couple of months late, we're finally having this chat late. And um, we're also joined by the Tartan Scars' very own um, Gordon Shear. Gordon, how are you doing? Um, on loan from Hampden Road this evening. Yes, absolutely. No, delighted to be there. Delighted to be in the company of an esteemed, uh, almost published author with you, John. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, this I'm is still a, waiting a, on my copy, but <laughs> <laughs> you'll get it soon. You'll get it very soon. Um, you'll get it on the 30th when it is out. So um, I promise you that. Um, so what, that was obviously Scotland 30 years ago at a major tournament. We're hoping that um, the class of 2022 can uh, reach one. And uh, finally, as we say, Two months on from when the game should have been played, it's Scotland versus Ukraine. Um, Laura, how are you feeling about the game knowing that it's finally arriving? Um, despite there was still, up until probably a few weeks ago, it was still doubtful, but Ukraine are determined to get this game on and um, they've played a few friendlies to make sure it's happening. Yeah, it feels very much in the state of right now. Um, I can't get my head around it because for two reasons. One, because obviously, you know, I work in in football and domestic football. So with the season just coming to an end, my brain is just fried from all the domestic games. And I cannot wait to switch off and just turn my attention fully to the international break now and really get excited for the summer. But also because it feels like we have been waiting about two and a half years for a playoff um, as fans and Everything is obviously going against us, be it a pandemic, a war, and obviously everything out with our control. Um, we have been waiting so long just to get to Hamden to get to a playoff and for it to actually now be just a matter of days away. Uh, my brain just still can't process that and I, the, the, the excitement in theirs haven't quite kicked in because of that. Yeah, I mean, technically it'll be the first playoff that Scotland fans um, can get to for 17 years. Um, because the last one that fans out was the Scotland versus Holland game. Um, we, well, the first leg was good, second wasn't. And of course, we're all in our houses for the second, um, you know, the games against Israel and then um, 
savour of it. Now we've got the monkey off the back with that one, Gordon. Um, it, you would think it would give us confidence, but you know, there's a um, there's a, a few things being thrown into the air um, with this game because we're missing our main the main man that make, uh, makes the system ticking. Kieran Tierney, how big a loss is that first and foremost? So. Yes, obvi- obviously, yes. The, the the loss of Kieran Tierney is massive because you know we've seen before. Like since since we moved to this three at the back system, interestingly, Kieran Tierney's actually had his best run of fitness for Scotland. He's barely missed a game for us, which has been amazing, and it's helped us continue to develop and grow in this system. And obviously, he's shown that when he's not available, like he was for the first game at the Euros against the Czech Republic, he is that piece of the puzzle that is just feels irreplaceable in this system but you know you you have to look at this in the wider context that the whole rest of the squad is there and they are exactly as we thought they would be everyone else is there even Nathan Patterson's made it in Billy Gilmore's shaken off a late knock so you know the collective strength of this group is incredible and this is a, a squad that's been growing together for the last three years under Steve Clark so I think they are they're certainly ready. They're certainly prepared. I think the circumstances and the context around this game are utterly bizarre. I mean, I don't think we'll have ever watched a Scotland game where the rest of the world and neutrals around the world will actively want us to lose. But you just have to ignore that. And I'm sure Steve Clark and the team will ignore that. They will respect Ukraine. They will welcome them as guests and as opponents. And they'll respect them by playing their best against them and hopefully beating them. And that's that's what we can do. That's all we can do, really, isn't it? You think that hopefully they, everyone kind of got out of their system watching the Eurovision and getting that support for Ukraine <laughs> out of the way. Um, everyone, you know, everyone backed them. Everyone, you know, it was a nice story. Um, got the heartstrings pulled there. But um, yeah, it's, just, it's such a strange situation because everyone is going to be so supportive of Ukraine. And we just need to get into match mode. And yes, we, we can we can support them off the pitch and all the, the politics that go into it. I mean, obviously, we would put so much effort into it. When the Poland friendly happened a few months back, we raised all that money for them. We've, we've shown our support. But really, um, I don't think it's a, a bad thing or a negative thing to say that when it comes down to 7.45, everyone just has to switch on and they're our enemy for that 90 minutes and we have to go into football mode in that sense and really just concentrate on the angle and the angle is the World Cup Yeah, at the end of the day it's sport, you know we also feel for the situation but you know, we've got to separate that, this is sport at the end of the day, and Ukraine and if things were switched around would um, you know, would be treating us the exact same way you know, they'd be going hell, hell and leather to try and beat us and and the other thing about it is, Gordon, as well, um, when when there was a suggestion that Ukraine should get a buy in a, a World Cup and make it 33 teams, they were outright saying, no, we want to earn our place in the World Cup. We want to go and beat Scotland and then beat either Wales or um, uh, Austria, as it turns out, it's going to be Wales now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because certainly, you know, when, when, when this whole situation started in March and very quickly governing bodies and sports associations all around the world were making decisions about the continued participation of Russian and Belarusian athletes and teams on the world stage, you know, and those teams were very much ostracised quite quickly. And obviously Austria were removed from this World Cup qualifying process. I always thought that the, the most important thing that we could possibly get out of this was that Ukraine were able to continue to participate because that's the whole point, isn't it? You know, that obviously Russia 
are being punished. They were punished. They are continuing to be punished by being ostracized by the global sporting community. And the flip side of that is that Ukraine have to be welcomed and supported and given that opportunity to continue to take part as part of the global community that we all exist in. So I think it's so important that, that they are fulfilling this fixture. I mean, I certainly have my doubts that this fixture would go ahead in any guise under any date, but I'm so delighted that they will be able to come just for that symbol of kind of, like we say, you know, global unity on the world stage. And it'll be the first time that the Ukraine national team the pitch since this invasion began and what a moment it'll be for them. But Steve Clark and the team will be have to be absolutely laser focused on what this means for us. That it's 24 years since we were at a World Cup, and that's the most important thing we can possibly achieve in this next month. So let's do it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's about getting the, the game face on. Um so with regards to squads, unfortunately as we said, Laura, there's no team saying that we'll come more onto the who takes this position. Um so we named a 28-man squad, which was for, um, for uh, goalkeepers. Are you a little surprised there's no new faces in the squad? Like, um, there's a couple of names that come up, for example, is like Alan Campbell, who you also know from um, your job, and he's had a fantastic season at Luton. He'll help them get promoted when Player of the Year, etc. And uh, Scott Wright, who's recently played in the European final and scored in the Scottish Cup final. They're just two names I can think of that were maybe unlucky, although um, at the same time, Clark does want continuity. Yeah, you, you, I did see Alan Campbell's name getting branded about in a lot of the quote tweets yesterday when the squad got announced. Like, Al's, like, he's had a fantastic season with Luton, and I'm, I'm, I was always been calling for him to be involved in Scotland because I've, I've seen him at my time, obviously working at Mother Moment, he's been there. I see the commitment he puts in on and off the pitch. He is your, he epitomizes everything about a committed footballer. He's in first thing in the morning, he's last to leave at night. He's so switched on in that sense. It's always he's just so driven. But we've got to be realistic here. No matter how good a season he has had with Luton, is a new player like Al going to come in on in like what is one of the most important international breaks we've had in years? We've not just got potentially two playoffs. We've got the three Nations League games as well, which essentially are qualifiers for the Euros in 2024. It's not the time to be experimenting with players. If anything. It would have been the last international break in March. And even at that, we didn't actually see Steve Clark experiment that much. Um, I know a lot were kind of calling out, myself included, for an experimentation switch round of goalkeepers with looking to the future of saying, right, well, look, our, our, our keepers are ageing. We're going to have to move on at some point. And obviously, naturally, I was calling for Liam Kelly to get a game at some point. It's frustrating, but it's it shows what Steve Clark's like. He treats every single game like the be-all and end-all that it is. That even if he's not going to be experimenting in friendlies, he's definitely not going to be doing it in this break. So, yeah, unlucky for the likes of Alan Campbell, but I don't think he should be taking it personally in any way. Yeah, I'm sure he's not. At the end of the day, it's a tough squad to get in. You know, this is the best performance Scotland squad for, well, 23 years, essentially. So, um, you know, it is getting very difficult to, to break in. Um Gordon, Anthony Ralston is one of those that managed to get back in the squad. You know, he was um, called up for the game against Denmark, got, came on for um, his debut late on. Missed out in the last one, but then he's back in this one. Um, but that, a lot of that is to do with the fact that Nathan Patterson is, although he's in the squad, he's likely going to miss a Ukraine game. Um, but, you know, 
Aaron Hickey is another one who is probably favourite for that right back, uh, along with Stephen O'Donnell, obviously. So you've, you've essentially got three players or four players looking for that right back spot. Um, who do you think is going to get that? Yeah, it's definitely definitely an interesting one. And I think certainly sort of to pick up on what, what Laura was saying there, I think, you know, while this is a, re- a very good thing that UEFA have done, you know, that they're really just, there are no more low stake or no stake international games anymore. Every single international game is important. And it's actually part, it's part of the reason why I was quite frustrated that our World Cup playoffs did end up getting bumped into this uh into this in, into the Nations League campaign as well because you know I know Laura's all over how important the Nations League is and if we were able to win our Nations League group we could get seeded second for Euros qualifying and if we finish second in Euros qualifying you qualify automatically so I think this will impact negatively our chances of of winning this section in Nations League which is really frustrating um, but yeah speaking to your point about the about about the right back position I think you're right the, the reason why you see so many options in there is because Nathan Patterson there's big question marks over how fit he's going to be how many of these four or five games he might be able to deliver Stephen O'Donnell look he takes a lot of criticism on social media he's always a bit of a linchpin I have no issue whatsoever with Stephen O'Donnell being in the squad he's clearly a trusted member of the team he's a trusted member of the group in training in the hotel he sets the standards and he's never, as far as I'm concerned, he's never let Scotland down when he's been on the pitch. Even when he's been, we played away from home against Austria. I think he was half fit, if I'm being generous, because I think he'd just come back from COVID. He ran himself into the ground that night. We won the game. It was crucial to getting to this playoff. So I think Stephen O'Donnell's absolutely the, de- the dependable choice. I think when it comes to games against team like Armenia, we play them home and away. I'd love to see someone like Anthony Ralston getting a chance. Hickey, I'd still rather see him on the left, if I'm being honest, because I just think he plays almost all of his football exclusively from left wing back. So I think if you're giving Andy Robertson a day off, let's give Hickey a chance because Hickey could well be the future of that position because Andy Robertson, as much as he looks like he could run forever, he won't live forever. So And if he's ever unavailable, it's good to have a first-class option in in reserve. Absolutely. And this is the thing about the Scotland um, squad, you know, We've got um, embarrassment of riches almost uh, for the first time in a long time. I mean, in that Denmark, that Denmark game back in November, for example, it was almost a new back three with Suter and Cooper coming in alongside Tierney. They hadn't played together before. You wouldn't have thought of the way they played that night. And you just you just got to hope that that momentum continues. Because is there a worry, Laura, though, that um, in terms of certain individuals within the squad, um, that their form maybe isn't as it was when we were playing back in November and even in March when we had the, the final matches against Poland and uh, Austria? Well, like you can you can break the team down into individuals and, and look at how they're doing as individuals and how their team have been doing in the run-in to the end of the season. And and yeah, there's been some boys who haven't been quite on form. Like we, I mean you just you look at a general team, um Billy Gilmore last missed the last game. Um like even Stephen O'Donnell missed the kind of last like kind of four games in the run-in to Motherwell's end of season. Um Shea Adams hasn't been playing every game, even London Dykes hasn't been playing every game. Um, so yeah, you can break it all down, but on the flip side of that, you can look at the the the, the other side. We can look at Craig Gordon, winning player of the year. Liam Cooper came in and pretty much turned around Leeds' season towards the end, and essentially was a big part in them surviving. Andy Robertson's got the Champions League to go on and, and win. Um, so I mean, there's you can break it all down, but at the end of the day, that the game comes. Personally speaking, yeah, okay, fine. It's, it's coming at the end of a season when you can see yeah, that the boys are tired. 
They've all played the X amount of games. They'll be exhausted. They need a holiday. But I would much rather be going into this game in the start of June than I would at the start of August when the players are rusty. They've come back. They're going into pre-season training. They've not got their match fitness up to speed yet. If anything, these boys might have been given the week off just there, depending on if their, their team finished their season, depending on which weekend it was. They've been given a few days off. They're back in this week for a training camp. I've got absolutely no worries over their individual fitness. And to be honest, the adrenaline and the desire alone will pull these boys through. So, yeah, as I say, much rather it was now than in two months' time. I think as well, yeah. Laura, that just, 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 just to sort of build on your point there, I think what you've seen with this group of players that they've built into such a good team together that I feel like we've arguably gone beyond club form nowadays. Like I used to genuinely, I used to always be thinking, Oh, Jordan Rhodes has scored another four goals. He needs to be in the Scotland team and he'll do really well in the Scotland team. Just purely basing it on what they're doing at club level. Whereas now, you know, this team, they've played together for so long. That midfield three of McGregor, uh, McGinn and Gilmore, they know exactly how to play together. They put them in a Scotland squad and it'll work. I have no doubt about that, regardless of what they're doing at club level. So I think, yeah, I think we've gone beyond club form now. No, I completely agree with that. Yeah. And do you know what, even, what is even better is all these boys are so young as well. And they've settled as a almost like a club. And I know it's quite a cliche to say that and it's been branded about that word so often, but it's like a club to them. And to have that at such a young stage in their career, just it fills me as a fan with so much confidence to think that we have so many years ahead of us of watching these players play together. And that's really exciting. Yeah, it certainly is. And, uh, you know, um, you're always, no matter how well a squad's doing, you're always going to get people out there who are pretending to be uh, Steve Clark and trying to um, second guess and pick the team. But, Let's be honest, we'd rather put, um, let Steve Clark pick the team. That's why he's in the job and we're talking on them soon. But we're going to put ourselves in Steve Clark's shoes anyway, um, guessing the team. But we know that we know um, what the system's going to be. So we're not even going to try with 4 4 2 or flipping it. It's going to be the 5 3 2, whatever you call it. We're not even going to debate goalkeeper. But I think it's fair to say Craig Gordon is going to be in goal unless something touch wood happens in training. The first big question we've got to ask who is stepping into Kieran Tierney's shoes. Um, my guess is that the favourite is Scott McKenna, um, given he plays that position for Forrest just now. And the worry is obviously how hungover is going to be if Forrest get, um, get promoted on Sunday. Yeah, I, th- I think I think that that is certainly the the only con- the only concern standing in his way that he's playing in the playoff final on Sunday means that he's not going to be able to join up with the Scotland team till Monday at the very earliest. So, is he then starting on Wednesday night? Maybe, you know, you look if like you said, if they, if they won promotion, he's absolutely flying. He plays in the left of back three. I think I've, I've looked at all the games since we moved to this system. The games that Kieran Tierney has missed, the players that have deputised for him are McKenna, Cooper and Considine. And I wouldn't say that any of them, I mean, none of them can, because how could you? No, Nobody, like we said, nobody can replace what Kieran Tierney brings to the team. So I think it's just about how do we mitigate as much as possible against what we're missing and how do we continue to keep the attack going? And you need to have a left footer to make sure you keep the night pitch nice and wide, make sure Robertson can get high. I think it probably will be McKenna. I think, although I must say, I was so impressed with Liam Cooper in November, those two games he came into. But remember, he was replacing Grant Hanley in the centre, centre-back position. So, yeah, I think it's probably still McKenna on balance. But obviously, Cooper will have had longer in training to impress. So... If it was Cooper, I might I wouldn't actually be too surprised either. 
I know I'd go for Cooper any day of the week <laughs> over McKenna personally. Um, I, I just feel like the fact that he's playing on the Sunday um, doesn't fill me with a great joy to think it's only a few days beforehand, but just yeah. in general, um, Cooper, okay, yeah, it's maybe not his most natural position because we have seen him play more centrally of the three, but what he has brought towards the end of the season for Leeds is he's made it hard for teams to score against them. And that's exactly what they needed at that time. He is, he's that sensible head, he's that leader. And I just feel like that is a sort of experience that we can't go wrong with. It's not quite the same role that Kieran Tierney plays. He's not that elder, experienced, sensible head. He's more of the exciting flair player going forward than, than you compare the two together. But if we don't have Tierney, then I would rather just play it safe um, and play it safe with a boy that's got a really strong head. Again, both of our, both of our arguments, it'll be interesting to see um, which one of those two, because I think it will be between those two for the left centre back. Um, of course, Cooper, remember, played that position in the Euros against the Czechs. He played fairly well, I thought, although we, we did lose the game, but um, that's just one of these things. So centre, centre back then. Um, although Hanley has just come off um, the back of a poor um, season with Norwich, well, Norwich had a poor season and um, relegated without a whimper, some people saying he sh- that he should maybe be dropped and Cooper being centre centre back. And of course, remember Cooper played well against them Denmark. But Hanley is also now getting credit in the bank. We never thought we'd say that a year ago, did we? Um, but he's got credit in the bank from um, outstanding Euros, where it came to the point where um, we were actually worried that he, when he went off. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think he was one of one of our best players, and I think it's been one of the nicest, most heartwarming narratives of the Steve Clark era is the redemption arc of Grant Hanley because if you'd said to Scotland fans 18 months ago that we'll be discussing Grant Hanley as one of our best players they would have been absolutely apoplectic at the idea but yeah he's been fantastic since he came back he really suits this three at the back system he gets to focus on what he's good at blocking tackling clearing he's deceptively fast over a short short space of ground so his recovery pace is really good and yeah, I, I think he. I think he one hundred percent deserves it. I'd be. I'd be happy with Cooper if it was Cooper, because, like you said, Moldova, Denmark, he was great. But look, I think. I think Hanley absolutely deserves it. You pretty much the same opinion, Laura. Exactly the same. Everything that Gordon's just said there, I. I cannot believe we're in this position. We were seeing it. It's been a remarkable turnaround and and fair play to him. Coming at this stage of his career as well, um, I just yeah. We can't go wrong with them. I, I can't really see any reason why we would drop them, to be honest. Well, so on to right centre back now. Now, this is where um, there is a genuine debate because you know, Scott McTominay um, filled that position well, even though he's a midfielder and he is listed as a midfielder. Jack Kendry's had a, another good season winning the um, title with um, Bruges in Belgium. But when the two of them missed the last game against Denmark, in comes an new facing John Sutter, who I know he's just back from injury, but he played. Extremely well in the Scottish Cup final, so one from three, tough one to pick, isn't it? But um, nice choices to have. Yeah, absolutely. No, you're 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 absolutely right. And and look, I can I could probably make an argument, and I'm sure Steve Clark could make the case for 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 any of them to get that right centre back position. Um, I think you know Suter was phenomenally impressive when he came into the games in November. And um, McTominay has played there obviously quite a few times. I mean, I was so heartened to watch the Scottish Cup final last weekend and see 
Suter be able to pick the ball up and just break the lines and just stride out of defence because that's exactly what we're going to need that position to do, especially if we don't have that on the left side without Kieran Tierney. So I think it's I think it's really important that we've got that attacking impetus to build possession and build play out from the back. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm genuinely on the fence about who it should be, but I think I'm maybe leaning Suter. But if it was McTominay, I wouldn't be surprised because I think McTominay has obviously played more games there under Steve Clark. Yeah, for me, Jack Hendry was one that, like Grant Hanley, turned around my opinion of them this kind of this time last year. Um, was never a big fan, really changed my my mind on him. But he, he's barely been playing the last few months. He's played something like sixty-seven minutes since February. He's been completely bombed out at Bruges. He's clearly not taking it very well. Um, and I just feel like because of that, it makes it an easy decision to, to not go for him when you've got two other strong candidates there. So to agree with everything you're saying, um, more than reliable, we would not have a problem with him playing at all. Personally, I would just go with McTominay, though. Uh, I feel like, I, I think I've said this before in the past, I'm sure I've, I've heard somebody else saying this, was McTominay, plays better as an individual when he's in midfield, but Scotland play better as a team than McTominay is in defence. And we've not really went wrong with him there. So, yeah, again, I, I, I've, I have a total soft spot for McTominay. And if that's where it's going to fit him into the team because our midfield's so strong, then, then get him in. Get him in there. Yeah, I think it's, um, it's fair to say that if McTominay is going to um, play, it will be at centre-back um, because the, th- the three main options... Um, it's going to be difficult to break up and then you add Ryan Jack in there, but we'll come into midfield in a moment. Left wing back, we know who that's going to be unless something happens in the Champions League final, so take for Andy Robertson this weekend. Um, right wing back is more of the um, more of the bait. Um, we kind of touched on it earlier. Um, I personally would go with Hickey there because he's played there a few times for Bologna and he played there, including um, keeping a clean sheet against newly crowned Champions League in that position. Andy's right footed. I know he's probably more natural on the left side. I get that argument. Um, but uh, just as I say, I wouldn't have any qualms with Stephen O'Donnell being in there. I mean, Stephen Doyle's proven himself for Scotland jersey time and time again as well. So I wouldn't have any arguments with him. I don't think Andy Russell's going to go in the back of um, two or three minutes um, at Scotland level. So, yeah, basically, the choice, because I don't think Patterson's making this game um, the way Clark was sending in the press conference. So who's it going to be? Yeah, it looks oh. like Patterson, I would say, yeah, it feels like he's been brought into the squad for the latter stages of the break uh, and not the first one. Hickey, like, I, I, I rate him as a player. I think he's 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 quick on his feet. He's quick. <clears throat> he's quick-minded as well. Uh, obviously, the, and the ability to play on both sides, both, foot, both feet as well at the same time. Like, he's he's easily one of the best fullbacks in Serie A right now. And he doesn't look overawed by the prospect either. And he's only 19. So he's he's clearly got something. But I kind of heart back to what I was saying with Alan Campbell. Is this really the time to be mixing and matching and, and trying things out? He's, he's not really played yet for Scotland. Just the, Stephen O'Donnell's not done anything wrong in a Scotland strip. And I cannot see any reason why Steve Clark would not go for him. He's proved himself so many times now he's he's set up goals he's he's had chances himself to score goals he had England in his back pocket at the Euros there's been nothing to to show me that Steve Madol deserves to be dropped for an untested player at this age in such a big game 
Yeah, I think I think I would absolutely agree with that. I think you know you look you look at some of the games where Stephen O'Donnell has had his best performances, and they've come in the biggest games when the pressure's been highest, when we've needed results, and we've got them. You know, when you're talking, uh, obviously Serbia away from home, England at Wembley in the Euros, Austria away from home uh, in World Cup qualifying. I think I think Stephen O'Donnell would absolutely be the the dependable, reliable, safety first choice. I just think that Nathan Patterson, obviously he had his surgery pretty much straight after the games in March. He will have had this date circled in his calendar from then. And I think he will be doing everything he possibly can to be ready and fit for this game because this is what it's all about. And I think obviously they'll they'll get a really good look at him in training and they'll know that there's They'll know that there's there's games to come in, in the break, but as we've said, we've got plenty of other right-back options, and if we don't win this game against Ukraine, then, frankly, a lot of this break ceases to matter anymore. I mean, Nations League are still important, of course, but the most pressing priority is this game. So I think I would not be f- surprised if it's Nathan Patterson starting, but I think Stephen O'Donnell would be fully dependable, fully reliable option as well. First thought, and thank goodness it's in Steve Park's hands. Um, the midfield three of Gilmore, McGinn, McGregor, they've not lost um, a game whilst they've been together in that position. Um, is there any need to break up? I know there's been concerns over Gilmore's fitness and in some ways form, and Ryan Jack's also had a good end of the season, but let's, let's, let's be honest, unless something severe happens, it is going to be those three, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, and, and, and what a three to have as well. To have that in your, your heart, your, the spine of your team, to have those three players. Like, I mean, you're, you're talking Celtics player of the year. You're, John McGinn is just perfection <laughs> all round everything. And, and Billy Gilmore, so young. And and what was it, the Denmark game? He just looked like, I mean, the Denmark game, when we won 2 0, everyone looked incredible that day. And I think we all kind of looked at each other at hand and thinking, what are we watching here? This is incredible. But even in saying that, Billy Gilmore was still a step of every ahead of everyone else. And to have him at such a young age, it's so, so exciting. Um to have the three of them together. Incredible. And and to be honest, you're saying Ryan Jack there. I wouldn't have anything against Ryan Jack playing um if if need be, if we had to turn to him, wouldn't have any issues with it. And if anything, I'm actually quite disappointed Kenny McLean didn't make the squads um, as another option to fall back on, especially with his track record of scoring the, the crucial penalty in a playoff shootout. So, um, yeah, well, we've been nervous not having him, at least on the bench there. But why would you possibly break up those three in, in midfield? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's just not it's just not going to happen. It's absolutely not going to happen. I mean, I, I remember seeing the the graphic after the Denmark game of the sort of pass map where like the the connection of players passing to one another made a thicker line, and it was literally just like an octopus in the middle of Billy Gilmore connecting with every single other player on the pitch. And it was yeah, he's he's a joy to watch, and he knits everything else together. So that's that's just what it's going to be. No, no question. Yeah, and I don't think there's any doubt that um, no. Gordon's main man, she Adams, will be up front. Um, you know, it'll be interesting who parts them. Um, but before we debate his partner, Laura, you weren't quite on the she Adams um, train when it was first announced. Um, are you on board there's still, now? There's, there's there's still room on the hype train. Yeah, I'm still not on board with it. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm very much a London Dykes girl, and uh, that's my first choice. And you ain't shifting me from that. <laughs> no, like seriously. Um, 
she Adams, no, like I, I think it's it's well known that I'm uh, I, I don't like it when players play for England at a young age or any country for that matter uh, and switch allegiances. Um, so you know, I, I was kind of um put off right from the start, um, just based on his commitment, um, more than anything. Look, in terms of what he's contributed, you can't knock it, especially I mean, obviously the blue goal against Denmark did that's iconic now for us, regardless of what happened before and what will happen in the future, we'll always remember that. I, as I say, I, I like Dykes playing, so I, I'm not fully convinced that the two of them together is the best option. Um, they've not played together that much, actually, um, in recent games, um, and the ones that they have played together have not been as successful. So you probably think you have to look back to the Austria game that we won over there in the qualifiers for the last time it really worked with the two of them together. Um, I, I find with Adams, he can be a little selfish on the ball. Um, when he's in attack and look, look don't get me wrong strikers are selfish it's, you you find that with many many strikers but personally I would prefer Dykes to be up front and with Christy just off him um, I again Christy's another one with, I've got a soft spot for um, maybe maybe I like the idea of Christy more than I do the, the actual player of Christy because of what he's done for us in the past and what he's contributed but I like that flair player the, the the flair that he brings, the unpredictability that he brings as well. Um, and I, I just, when I see Christian Dykes in the team sheet together, I, I like that option. And then having Shea Adams as a super sub option if things aren't maybe going our way. Interesting choice up front. What about you, Gordon? Obviously, um, you're not putting Shea Adams in the bench. There's no chance of that. <laughs> yes, no. But but look, look, I'm, I am just as much a fan of uh, of Lyndon Dykes um, as Laura is. Obviously, Lyndon born in that famous Scottish town, the Gold Coast. Um, but no. <laughs> I um, see him pulling on Australia, Australia strip when he was younger. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure there'll be pictures. <laughs> Maybe he's clever enough not to let them come out. <laughs> Aye, maybe, maybe. Um, but no, look, look. I, I, I think I, I, I absolutely love Lyndon Dykes and everything that he does. I love his, I love his work rate. I love his determination. I love his mentality that he just, he doesn't let things get him down. And I think you know, lesser strikers would have gone into a shell after he missed the penalty against against Israel at home. He didn't. He shrugs it off. He karate kicks in a crucial goal, and and also the fact that you know. Everything you hear about Lyndon behind the scenes, it seems like he epitomises exactly what we want out of a Scotland international. The fact that some players have been joining up in St Andrews over the last couple of weeks after their seasons have finished, Lyndon was the first one in the door. You know, it was Lyndon, uh, Jacob Brown, and Ryan Christie when their championship seasons finished. They're straight up there, and like Dykes just gives you the impression that throw a saltire on it, and he'll be there. He's delighted to be there. So whatever we you ask of him, he will give his all. But I think. Which I think for me makes makes Dykes maybe the better impact sub off the bench because you know that he will be a bull in the, in the China shop. He'll chase everything down. He'll batter down the door if he has to. And yeah, he'll karate kick his way through it if he has to. Um, but yeah, I, I love Shea Adams. I think he's I think he's strong. I think he's clever. I think his technique is head and shoulders above what we've got in that position. And it's just about finding the best player to play with him. And you know, potentially a player we've not talked about is Stuart Armstrong. I mean, obviously the Southampton connection is there. They train together every day. So, and it was obviously Stuart Armstrong who uh, passed left <coughs> to to tee him up against Denmark for the goal, which was which was brilliant. Um, and again, you know, again, it's just it's just good to have so many different options and so many different combinations that we couldn't call upon because we're probably going to need all of them over the next four to five games. 
Yeah, it will certainly be interesting which one he goes with. It. I think it's maybe Adams and Christie is what I think Clark will go with, but you never know. He does like a curveball now and then. And if Lyndon Dykes um, is coming off the bench, let's hope that um, come the penalty shout, should we need it, that he doesn't hit it down the middle this time. Um, and the he picks a side and, um, keeps, and leaves the goalkeeper standing, but we'll wait and see. So what's one of the modes of picking teams? So the, um, the last time that Scotland went to the World Cup was in 1980, of course, 24 years ago. And the team that Scotland played on their last ever World Cup match, which we won't talk about, um, was Jim Leighton, David Weir, Colin Hendricks, Tom Boyd, Jackie McNamara, Christian Bailey, Paul Lambert, Craig Burley, John Collins, Gordon Jury, and Kevin Gallagher. And a similar, not in a formation, not too dissimilar to what Steve Clark's adopted here. So, guys, your job was to make three changes by picking three of the current lot to go in um, this team. And who are you taking out? Wait, is it three of the current team to go into the 98 team or three of the 98 team to go into yes. the current team? Yes, three of the current team to go into the 98 team. So you're taking off oh, one of the 11 I just mentioned. That's a lot harder because mm-hmm. I, w- I was looking at them comparing it and I think this team currently is night and day compared, which is maybe a controversial uh, opinion. But when you look at it man for man, that's tough. Okay, um, Gordon, do you want to go first? <laughs> I <laughs> uh, go on then. Um, oh, good. It's hard. It is. It is really difficult, isn't it? You know, because obviously we've 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 grown up with these players, and you know, they, they are now former players. A lot of them are legends of the game, and you know, as as the last team that took us to the World Cup, they do have such a such an incredible reputation. So it is difficult to sort of nix any of them out. I mean, look, should Andy Robertson should should Andy Robertson win the Champions League? This weekend, he will become the most successful Scottish player in the history of the Champions League. So I think you cannot, you can't overlook him. So as much as it would hurt to take a guy like maybe Christian Daly out of the team, I think like Andy Robertson is one of the best left backs of all time. So he's got to go in for sure. Um, where else? Where else do you take out? I mean, I'd, again, I'd, I'd love to see, I'd love to see Billy Gilmore in a midfield with. Lambert and Collins, like that's a really that's a silky, sexy midfield, isn't it? There's a lot of lot of neat passing going on in there. Um, but, but again, who do you pull out? Does Burley come out? Because Burley was a great player as well. I, I don't know. I don't know. Laura, help me. <laughs> I just feel like you've got to fit John McGinn in there somehow. And yeah. again, it comes down to Burley, Lambert, Collins. I think it's Collins. It would be the one that you would switch out for John McGinn. Um, Obviously, both have that scoring prowess. So they've both got that kind of defensive qualities as well. I just feel like for like, as much as John Collins has got a special place in my heart because it was his goal against Brazil that got me into football in the first place. Me too. I feel like John McGinn. <laughs> John McGinn is. It says a lot that I'm. I'm saying a player should take his place, but I feel like McGinn is is that boy that has that mm. ability. I mean, John McGinn scored an overhead kick and a bicycle kick in a in a qualifier. Just to have that, the balls to do that, <laughs> you've got to admire that. Um, yeah, I'm going with John McGinn over John Collins. Unless you want to pull out one of Gallagher or Jury, leave it with one up top, then because 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 to be fair, McGinn, McGinn often does play as that sort of almost second striker, making the late runs into the box behind the centre forward. So that could work. That's, that's an, yeah, it's interesting when changing the, the dynamic of it, changing the formation round. I hadn't thought of doing that. I mean, I would. From a 
from an easy personal perspective, I haven't really seen Jury play that much. Um, he was kind of before my time getting into following Scotland. So from a purely lazy perspective, I'm going to shove Lyndon Dykes in there instead of him, uh, just because I've seen him play more. Um, look, in, in goals as well. Again, Jim Leighton is another one. It's maybe slightly bypassed my time of watching football. Great goalkeeper, obviously. A legend in his own right, club and country. But Craig Gordon overall for him to have his successful period in international football and then come back for arguably an even more successful period in his later days I would feel more comfortable watching Craig Gordon in a penalty shootout than Jim Leighton and if that's what it's got to come down to to make the decision I'm going with Craig Gordon do you want to know what's the team you're making do you want to know a really good stat about Craig Gordon this will this will blow your mind, right? How old was Billy Gilmore when Craig oh. Gordon made his Scotland debut? Oh no! You could tell he wasn't born. Oh, no, but <laughs> five or something. He was two. Oh no! <laughs> it was two thousand four. Wow. Two thousand four. Craig Gordon made his Scotland debut. God, he could be Full his dad. <laughs> Like another boy is um, is Kieran Tierney. Um, I know obviously not for this current team for this this break, but in general terms, would you say he's a like for like for Tom Boyd? When you look at that backline of Weir, Hendry, and Boyd, would it be fair to do a like for like between the two of them in terms of positions? Because I would definitely put Tierney in over Boyd. Yeah, I think if Tierney was in the squad, that would probably be easier called us as good as Tom Boyd was, but um, we're based it on the current. So, Laura, you're going with Craig Gordon um, for Jim Layton. You're going with Lyndon Dykes for Gordon Jury. And am I right in saying that you're... Are you going for Robertson over Daly or are you going for um, McGinn over Collins? I'm going for John McGinn over Collins. So Christian Daly remains in your team. Interesting. Gordon, you started really with Robertson over Daly. Okay, gave me <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure too, Gordon. Was it? Um... Yeah, Robertson for Daly. Um, I'm putting in Billy Gilmore for Burley, and you know, I'll I'll, I'll agree. I'll go for uh, I'll go I'll go for Tierney for Boyd as well because I'm pr- I'm pretty sure Tierney Tierney's also scored an unknown goal for Scotland. So he's that, not that in the squad, a, so it doesn't count. So that's a true, that's a true like for like. Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you've ruined my joke. Um, <laughs> right, okay, I'll go for Craig Gordon. I'll go for Craig Gordon just, just for just for raising the general sexiness of the group. I wish I'd um, thought of this when um, Mandy Barsh was on last week. Um, and unfortunately, we're running out of, uh, almost running out of time, so I don't need to do this. Um, <laughs> what's your prediction um, for the game? I think it's it. it. Come on. <laughs> I, oh. We're going to win. Yeah. We, 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 look, look. Put, put, put it this way. Put it this way. Right. Ukraine's squad is the the majority of Ukraine's squad play their club football in Ukraine. They have not played a competitive club game since December. We quite simply have to win. I'm sorry, but there's there's just no you know people have I've, I've genuinely heard it said that people have made the argument that because Ukraine have been in this training camp in Slovenia for a while, that's somehow an advantage to them. There is no advantage whatsoever. Like, let's be honest, like they, they have not played a competitive club game for going on six months. So we just simply have to win. There's no there's no argument. Yeah. I mean, you look at our form as well. In the last, it was the last 15 games, we've actually lost three games. 
and two were in the actual Euros itself. We've we've won an incredible amount of games on the run, um, and obviously those two draws just there in the in the friendlies in March. We are a very strong, very good footballing team right now, and it is right that other nations should be scared of us and, and should see us as a huge challenge. We're not the Scotland that we used to be. And we should be going into this confident and realistically looking to get down to Wales a few days later. Yeah, well, let's hope that um, this time, or this time in eight days' time, that we're going to be um, looking forward to that trip to Cardiff. And um, but and good luck, Scotland um, against Ukraine. Thank you very much, Gordon and Laura. In the final part of our preview of Scotland versus Ukraine in the World Cup playoff semi-final, um, I'm delighted to be joined by the current voice of Scottish football, Ian Crocker of Sky Sports. How are you, Ian? Not bad, John. How are you? Hope the book is going well. <laughs> it's, it's going very well so far. Big lunch day coming up, but obviously we're talking about Scotland in the present and not Scotland in the um, in the 90s. Um we say that it's um, it, this game next week must be bittersweet for you because um, under the Sky contract, it's your um, it's your last one at Hamden and possibly your last one for a while. Um, how are you feeling about all this? Because of obviously the whole changeover to Premier and then this company abroad that I've never heard of and most of us haven't heard of. Well, I've been lucky enough over the course of twenty four years of doing Scottish football that uh, to be on the right side of a lot of rights deals with Sky. Um, so, you know, these things happen. I'm, I'm trying not to think of it, to be honest, John, because I really, really enjoy covering Scotland with the hope comes across. And I'm sitting here now. I can't wait for next Wednesday and the, the game against Ukraine. And then hopefully the following Sunday, we're all off to Cardiff. But, um, yeah, as I say, these things happen. Um, it'll be in safe hands if uh, Rory Hamilton ends up doing it. Although he'll be he'll be in a bit of a quandary because he normally goes to every game as a fan. He might have to be stuck commentating now. But anyway, it's been a really enjoyable ride, and I hope it's um, you know I hope it's a ride we can get back on it at some stage. But these things happen in Teleland. Yeah, well, maybe the two of you can swap places. You know, maybe you can take your part in the um, the stands and do the um, Tartan Army Johnny's Forum. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty certain that I will go to a few games as a fan. Absolutely. Um, um, you'll be able to sample properly what it's like um, in amongst the supporters, and I can tell you from first experience it's great. And um, obviously, since we last spoke, fans have been allowed back into games again, and you've also covered um, the Israel and Denmark matches, and they must be up there in terms of some of the great games that you've um, been at over the last 24 years. Almost oh, definitely. Israel, um, in particular, with the way it happened, it it was so very Scotland. I remember saying in commentary, this is the Scotland way, and you just have to go with it. And you do. But it's just so Scotland, you know, to do it straightforward. But no, we can't be doing that, can we? We've got to have a bit of drama along the way. And there was certainly plenty the night of that Israel game and Denmark too. But yeah, Israel was, was you know, up there with uh, not far off Serbia probably um, as, as some game. And, and I, I do think next week that, it could be the same story. I mean, we don't know what we're going to get with, with the Ukraine, really. I'm just glad they're able to play the game in, in the first place. That's the most important thing. But it wouldn't surprise me if, we're, if we go all the way again next week. 
Yeah, it's as we said, it's good that um, obviously Ukraine are managing to fulfil this fixture. You know, there was talk about should there be another um, a thirty-third um, space in the World Cup just for them, given what they've gone through. And they right away said, no, we want to earn our place. Um, they've given dispensation for their homeland players to go and play. They've been playing a few friendly matches against. Um, there was a couple of Sp- Spanish teams, etc., were involved. I'm pretty sure um, out in Poland, which is good. Um, so they are absolutely determined to get this game on, and and you've got to say, fair play to them for their resilience. Yes, it's uh, admirable, really, with the unimaginable things that have been going on in their homeland, and um, you know it's going to be an emotional night, not just for them, I think, but for many people watching. I mean, there'll be a lot of support around the world, surely for Ukraine, but yeah, that even they would accept that it's a football match and it's it's there to be won, and they have it. You know, they have some really good players. Um, Yarmolenko is obviously, you know, the main man just left West Ham. But there's others in that squad as well that, you know, I mean, Sinchenko I thought was excellent when he came on for Man City final day. Um, and he, they've got a decent squad. And listen, Steve Clark knows that, doesn't he? <laughs> this is going to be a mighty challenge for Scotland still. It probably is. And um, what, we, what we can't afford is um, to let, sentiment um, come in. By all means, yes, um, what they're going through is um, horrific and, uh, you know, by all means, offer them a shoulder, you know, um, etc. But at the end of the day, whilst we might be um, have to play the, the bad guys' roles, which isn't something that Scotland step into very often, we've got to be ruthless because at the end of the day, this is sport and roles reverse. Ukraine wouldn't be giving a jot about them ourselves. Let's be brutally honest about this. No, I think that I think they've already accepted that Ukraine that this this comes down. I mean, they've been through so much as a, as a nation, and they're still going through it. I mean, it is actually scary to see what's been going on there and and, and frightening. But yes, the Ukraine players and the manager they know that this is this is about a football match to get to the the World Cup, and uh, you know, um, essentially that is it. And uh, both teams, I think, will accept that. And and finally get on with it next Wednesday and be able to play the game. Yeah, but it's, it's certainly good that the game has come up. Um, so the squad was also listed on, on Monday. We were recording on the Wednesday. Um, there was a 28-man squad. Um, were you slightly surprised, that, given the fact we've got four, possible, hopefully five games um, over these next couple of weeks, are you a little surprised that there wasn't any new faces, like, for example, likes of Alan Campbell of Luton and uh, Scott Wright, who's been in great form with Rangers, or was it always going to be that this is where we're at just now? These games are all massive. The playoff and the nations, like it's not the time for exp- um, bringing in too many experiments. Yeah, I thought Scott Wright might have made it. I must admit, but I think Steve, um, he, he, Steve's like that. He goes with the squad that he knows, and this is the squad that have got them this far and through this um, campaign. And I think he's comfortable with that. And the one thing. Yeah, there's maybe a couple of players could have got in, but if you actually look at this squad, it's so strong from a point where not not actually that long ago we hardly had any right backs, you know, and strikers, and now we got Patterson, O'Donnell, Ralston, Hickey who could play there, um, Patterson if he's fit, obviously, and just generally in every position in the squad, it just looks so much stronger than even possibly what a couple of years ago or three years ago even. Exactly. Well, it's as strong as it's been for a long time. I mean, there was at one point um, where we didn't have any 
it didn't look as though we had any centre backs um, who were who were ready mm. to come in, and now we've got plenty. I mean, even that Denmark game was mentioned before. Um, Hanley and McTominay were missing to in, um, injury, so was uh, uh, Jack Kendry as well. But then in steps Liam Cooper, in steps uh, John Suter for the first time in three years, and now they've made a status claim to say, "Well, we should get that jersey for the game next week." I think they've made a a big statement about that. I was thinking about you know the team. Um, you think, well, uh, I think Suter's earned the right to play in that back three. Hanley's a stick on. And then either Cooper or McKenna, probably Cooper, but who knows what Steve's thinking is. But then you think, obviously, he could play McTominay back there as well, because if he doesn't play him there, can he fit him into the, <laughs> the midfield? And this must be great, great for Steve Clark that he's got so many choices about the team to pick. And, um, you know, he's proved in, in recent times that he's pretty good when it comes uh, to doing that. So uh, I'm sure we'll all have confidence in him again for the, for the Ukraine match. Yeah, I, th- I think we've got to the stage now where when we don't second guess a Steve Clark team because he likes a curveball every now and then, and to it's difficult to question his selections because we've been getting the majority of them right, especially the last six seven competitive games we've won in a row. So, um, but there is one obvious um, player who is missing from that system, who arguably is the one that makes that tick. Kieran Tierney, absolutely massive loss. He would have been available in March. He's not available now. Um, and the complexion of that back three, for me, changed it. Well, there's good players to step in there. Like so Cooper stepped in in that position against Czech Republic and did a fine job, but he doesn't offer the same going forward in that partnership with Roberts as what Tierney does. No, I mean, I'm absolutely gutted uh, for Kieran as an individual because I know what it would have meant to him to play in this game, as it does every game for Scotland. It's a real shame KT can't be there. Um, uh, you know, he's had, he's had so many injuries to contend with, although it looked like they were kind of in the past a bit over the past couple of years. But sadly, he's not going to be there and a huge loss the way he's been linking up with Andy Robertson recently down that side as well for Scotland. Um, you know, but cut it for him because I know he just would have wanted to play his part. And um, yeah, somebody's going to have to step in. But I think Cooper, you know, is yes, he's not the same going forward, granted, but... Scotland will find other ways to do that. Um, and yeah, Andy Robertson, as long as Robbo comes through the uh, Champions League final on Skaven, we'll all be watching his every move on Saturday night. Like, don't, don't get injured. You know? <laughs> yeah, don't get injured and um, don't go with TT with the celebrations because we can't have a four-day hangover. Um, <laughs> but Scott McKenna is another one who's in contention. He's played that position all season for Forrest, who've made a remarkable turnaround. They've got a playoff final on Sunday and if they win it, you know... <laughs> That, that's another one that you've got to think, right, watch the baby on um, Sunday night, Monday morning. But um, again, another one that you can come into contention. I think it is between him and Cooper. And Cooper's also played his part and helped lead to the up, of course. Yeah, um, yeah, Cooper was injured for a bit, wasn't he? And then came back for the running for Leeds. I like both of them, to be honest. Obviously, we know Scott well from his Aberdeen days. And and Forrest, to, to be in that final, I think when the, Steve Cooper took over, they were bottom of the table. Um, and now they're heading for Wembley and Huddersfield have also been terrific. So it's a hard final to call that um but yeah it's it's actually a tough choice between the two of them cooper and mckenna and it will be interesting to see what steve goes with there but um yeah just a shame it's not kieran but you know we can't well i'm going on about it but you know we've just got to get on with it without katie haven't we? exactly um we'll just have to find the running formula and, and there's good enough players to um, step in and make it work um on the right side you know we mentioned Suter, mctominay's also played there a lot and jack Hendry. 
It's going to be interesting which one of those three make it. And even at right wing back, as you say, we've got four options. I don't think Patterson's going to make this one. I think he's been drafted in for the others more than mm-hmm. any because he's only just back from injury. Um, who do you think he's going to go with? Do you, I don't see it being Ralston. I think it's going to be one of O'Donnell or Hickey. And I have a I, feeling it might be Hickey. Do you? I'm going to go the other way. I think it might be O'Donnell. But I know where you're coming from. I mean, Hickey's obviously had a fantastic season. Um, great story as well, what, what he's done over there. Uh, and it could be him, but again, I think Steve might go with the tried and tested. And obviously, you know Stephen O'Donnell so well, come on, as well as yeah. Scotland. I mean, I might be wrong. I, I spent, when I'm doing my prep for games, I spent ages trying to guess Steve's team. I don't think I've ever got 11 out of 11. I did get 10 once. So I was quite happy with that. So we'll see what he does. Yeah, when you get a 10, you're doing very well. Ian Sash was the prep that you quitted. I think the midfield three picks itself, Gilmore, McGinn and McGregor, although Ryan Jack has obviously played himself very much in the contention, a good option to have. But assuming Gilmore um, overcomes his injury worries, you've got to start those three. They're unbeaten together in, what, seven games in total? Yeah, I mean, I think Billy, yeah, I think actually. more or less said that Billy will be okay and I think he'll be in there, certainly. Um, with Callum McGregor, again, who's had an outstanding season, took over captaincy at Celtic. I mean, um, Callum, when he's on the ball, he always, he, Celtic fans must think, we're, right, we're never, we're never going to lose it. You know, he's just one of them and he's such an influence on a game. He, he can he can make a team tick. Um, so Gilmore and McGregor, and McGinn may be a little bit further forward because he does offer such a goal threat for for Scotland. Um, I mean, what he's done for his country over the past few years is, has been amazing and such a lovely guy off the field as well as, as a lot of them are, to be fair. Yeah, exactly. And up front, um, I would imagine Shea Adams will be um, one of two and the other one likely, likely to be between Ryan Christie and uh, Lyndon Dykes. And again, there's pros and cons to either, um, to, a lot of pros to um, any one of them. And it's a tough call for Steve. I know, as we said earlier, he's got he's actually got, you know, he's spoiled the choice in every position now, which is remarkable from where Scotland were, you know, a couple of years back. But yeah, I think Christy, Christy might well play because he's uh, he's done a good job for Steve and obviously now promoted to the Premier League with Bournemouth. Everybody wondered why he went to Bournemouth and, you know, he's going to be playing in the Premier League next season. Good luck to him. Um, and McGinn and, and then... I think it'll be Shea Adams because I think he brings something to this Scotland team that they haven't really had before with maybe Dykes on the bench, but then Dykes will probably consider himself unfortunate not to start as well. So like I say, it's actually uh, it's actually some squad that Steve has got available to himself now. But um, I, I'm guessing, and I could easily be wrong, that Dykes might start on the bench and, and Adams will be the, the main man with McGinn and Christie in, in behind. But uh, we'll find out. Wednesday night Yes we'll find find out probably about an hour and a half before kick-off and it'll be an interesting um, team selection Um, What's your um, prediction for the game? Well uh, listen as I said earlier it would not surprise me if we went the distance again with Scotland because you know um, it can easily happen and often does take it to the wire Um, Ukraine I know they've been playing friendly matches but um, and they have got some really talented players, but I'm going to be. This is one of the few occasions in Scotland when I can be biased. Um, so I'm actually going to go for a 2 1 Scotland win, and we're going to avoid extra time and penalties for a change, although that could still happen. 
I hope we avoid nine um, penalties in extra time because I've got I'm taking my seven year old son to the game and it'll be enduring enough at that time. Of uh, and we haven't got Kenny McLean as well. Sadly, another one who's missing out. Um, and obviously, he'd have been pretty good for a penalty, Kenny. So you know, <laughs> got to get the job done in ninety or hundred and twenty. Yeah, well, well, let's hope that um, if it does go to penalties, that everyone is um, prepared. I mean, we haven't missed one yet um, in a penalty shout, and we just hope that Lyndon Dykes doesn't go down the middle this time. Um, and if we get through this game against Ukraine, it's Wales next. Um, so I'm guessing it's, it's going to be a tough call who Sky pick between yourself and Bill Leslie who's been covering the Wales games. Um, but if you're lucky enough to go down, do you think you'll be seeing Scotland... Uh, coming through against Wales, that's just going to be so tough. I mean, Gareth well, back on um, you know, the team as well. Yeah, a different kind of challenge. Um, Wales have got a terrific record there. I was kind of hoping they might move it to the Millennium Stadium because they did playoff finals there, or whatever it's called now, Principality, back uh, 2002, 2006. Fantastic stadium for football. Hardly ever football, hardly any football played there now. But I can see why Wales want to keep it at Cardiff City Stadium. They've done so well there, compact. They'll have... They'll be thinking they have the majority of the fans, although I'm sure a few members of the Titan Army will find their way in one way or another. Obviously, Gareth Bell, you know, fantastic. Um, somebody said to me the other day, it's probably all set up for Aaron Ramsey to score the winning penalty in the shootout. I went, <laughs> no, I don't think so. It's a hard one to call because, um, yeah, who, who knows, to be honest. It's one of them, isn't it? It's, Wales have got the home advantage. They will have the majority of the fans, I'm sure. But the Tartan Army will take over the whole city. And um, I, I think if you look at the two teams, I would say, and again, I'm, I'm probably being biased here, that if you look at the two teams, I know they've got Bale and Ramsey does do his bit for his country still. I just think Scotland would have a little bit more. But that's me being biased and hopeful. <laughs> yeah, well, let's let's hope that um, you're right on both counts and that um, we can look forward to the World Cup. And um, you know, what what would it mean to you? I mean, what, we know that you're pretty much an honorary Scotsman these days. You know, you've been commentating the game for 24 years. You live in the country now. So, um, what would it mean to you personally? If, um, you also saw us at Euros last year, but what would this mean? A World Cup um, for Scotland? Fantastic um, and. Uh, great for the, for this group of players, I think. It, it needs to be the next step for them. I don't think they did, did themselves as much justice as they could have done at the Euros. You know, great result against England, but the other two games, nah, not really. Um, and I think they, well, they'd obviously love another crack at it. So for the players, it would be great. Obviously for the fans, um, they'll be getting a... They'll be getting sunburnt in Qatar even at that time of year because I've been there at that time of the year to cover a match and it was still pretty warm. Um, but yeah, I just hope it hope it happens. You know, for for twenty, I first did Scotland or covered Scotland in nineteen ninety eight. Obviously, it took so long to get to a major tournament, um, and there were some horrible nights along the way for us all <laughs> watching some of the games. So, but there's a real feeling with this squad that they could actually qualify for a few tournaments now and, you know, hopefully, eventually, finally get past a, a group stage. Um, so I really hope it happens for them because they're, they're a really exciting bunch to watch. Um, of course, they make everything dramatic and tense. Um, but, yeah, we've got to be a World Cup. has got to be a World Cup. It's about time, isn't it? We've done the Euros. Um, 1998, last World Cup is incredible. Keep saying to Craig Burley, last Scotland man to score and be sent off in a World Cup. Um, so hopefully, not only one sent off, but there'll be a fresh scorer come November. 
Yeah, let's let's hope so. Let's hope there's a new Scotland team that someone else comes in. But um, we will wait and see. Well, um, Ian, thank you very much for your time. Um, obviously, I'm going to beat the game. Um, but for those who aren't able to make it, you can watch the game on Sky and listen to um, the passion of Ian and Ali McCoy talking you through, hopefully, a Scotland victory on Wednesday night. Mm-hmm.